Politico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello! And welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Juliana Daly, and I'm Todd Wicks. Coal companies have long buried coal ash near many of the Midwest's waterways, including Lake Michigan. Though coal ash dumps can leak harmful chemicals like arsenic and cadmium into nearby waters, regulators have done little to address these toxic sites. As a result, the Midwest has a large number of coal ash dumps. Illinois has the most leaking sites in the country, and Indiana runs a close second. Coal companies recently began reporting groundwater monitoring data required under the 2015 Obama safeguards. According to industry's own data, 91% of coal ash ponds in America are contaminating groundwater with toxins above levels that are the federal EPA calls safe. Illinois policymakers have just passed a coal ash bill that will finally help address the coal ash problem and prevent toxins from leaking into the groundwater. Provisions include requiring ash pond owners to consider closing ponds, which means digging up the ash and getting rid of the source of the pollution. The bill is on the governor's desk. A new report from Brown University's Watson Institute for International and Public Affairs details the U.S. military's large carbon footprint and use of oil. Since 9-11, the military has purchased an average of 120 million barrels of fossil fuel a year. In 2017, it emitted 59 million metric tons of carbon dioxide, about as much as the nation of Portugal. The report estimates that the so-called War on Terror, begun after the 9-11 terrorist attacks, is responsible for 35% of all the military's emissions so far in this century. The military operates fuel-demanding equipment like the Humvee, which gets less than 10 miles per gallon of diesel fuel, and the stealth bomber, which gets less than a quarter mile per gallon of jet fuel. The bomber has a range of 6,000 miles, and each full flight emits 251 metric tons of carbon dioxide. Currently, the military is preparing for threats, climate disruption, poses to its operations and installations. Yet, it's one of the world's biggest emitters of greenhouse gases. According to the group Friends of Ocean Action, 90% of the world's marine fish stocks are now classified as fully exploited, overexploited, or depleted. FOA is a group convened by the World Economic Forum and World Resources Institute. 
The most recent count of the total number of fishing vessels was made in 2012. In that year, there were 4.7 million counted vessels. Sweden is the worst offender for overfishing in the Northeast Atlantic, according to a report from the New Economics Forum. It ranked countries exceeding the total allowable catch for commercial fish stocks. Sweden exceeded its allocation by more than 50%. The UK and Ireland were second and third. Japan, China, the USA, Indonesia, Taiwan, and South Korea have been named by Pew Charitable Trusts as countries responsible for overfishing tuna in the Pacific. According to Pew, the Pacific Six are responsible for 80% of the annual catch of big-eye tuna. All tuna species are now heavily overfished. For WFHB, I'm Todd Wicks. And I'm Juliana Daly. Support for Eco Report comes from Blooming Foods Market and Deli, Bloomington's locally grown co-op grocery since 1976, offering products with a focus on local, fair trade, natural and organic, with support for farmers, producers, agencies and artisans. Blooming Foods Market and Deli, located on East 3rd Street near College Mall, West 6th Street near the Courthouse Square, and Shreve Hall on the Ivy Tech campus. Now it's time for Get Out and Hike. This is Get Out and Hike, and I'm Jan Walker. This week I'm with Gary Zeller, a resident of Franklin, and he is going to be talking about Blossom Hollow. He's a longtime hiker, and I've never been to Blossom Hollow, so I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. Gary, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Blossom Hollow is really an interesting hike. It's a it's a forest preserve that is uh, been preserved through the Nature Conservancy, or is it the Sycamore Land Trust? I don't remember which one. Sorry, both to both those organizations uh, for, of preserving this this uh, beautiful tract of of, of forest. Uh, it's 149 acres uh, in total. I think I remember somebody telling me that originally it was known as Glacier's Edge uh, because of the topography there, where it was a point where the glaciers came to a halt. The trail starts off at at a parking lot and then stays on level ground for, oh, about a quarter of a mile. And it skirts one edge of Lamb Lake. And then shortly after you skirt the edge of of the lake there, uh, then you have a very, very steep climb upward then once you get up to the top of the ridge then it's then it's flat once again the trees along the way the forest is just magnificent it's a it's a mixed uh hickory and oak maple uh forest going up and some unbelievably majestic straight uh trunked oak and hickory trees shagbark hickories in particular really Uh, excellent examples of of some of those trees. Then once you get up to the top of the ridge there, once again, you go along a a short span of, I don't know, maybe, uh, well, less than a quarter of a mile, uh, where it's it's flat out along the ridge, and then you start to to loop down into a, a hollow, a creek hollow, and once you descend down into uh, the creek hollow area, of course, the forest changes a little bit. and You, you get more uh, lowland forest with uh, maple 
and beech trees. Then you come back up uh, from that uh, lowland area, from the hollow, uh, back up to the ridge again. You definitely have to be in condition to, to get up that hill. To, to take the whole, the whole loop, and I mean, you could always just, you know, do part of the trail, but probably 40 minutes, good 40 minutes, maybe an hour. Well, thank you very much for being here today. You're welcome. Are you looking for a way to take action on environmental issues? EcoReport is seeking volunteer reporters to contribute short headline news stories as well as feature interviews. We provide all the technical training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. Give us a call at 812 812- Three two three one two zero zero, or email us at earth at wfhb.org. Community members spoke out during Bloomington's Farmers Market Advisory Council meeting on Monday. Area residents are divided over whether they believe the city should ban Schooner Creek Farm from the Bloomington Farmers Market due to allegations that the vendor's proprietors are members of white supremacist organization. Identity Europa. WFHB's Don Guerra brings us that report. Members of Bloomington's Farmers Market Advisory Board heard two hours of emotional public comment. Many community members are asking the city to ban the proprietors of Schooner Creek Farm from the city's farmers market. Schooner Creek Farm proprietors Sarah Dye and Doug Mackey are alleged to be members of Identity Europa, a white supremacist group organization. As of yet, Dye and Mackey have not incited violence at the market or distributed threatening materials there. Still, many community members of color say the farmer's market feels unsafe to them now. Juliana is an immigrant woman of color and a mother. We all need to feel safe for this to feel like right community, right? If some of us don't feel safe, there's a problem that needs to be addressed. And just being silent about it isn't enough. The Southern Poverty Law Center has identified Identity Europa as one of 24 hate groups operating in Indiana. Members of Identity Europa helped organize the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017, which left one person dead. The white nationalist group changed its name to American Identity Movement in March of this year. Evidence of the couple's ties with the group came in a leaked FBI interview with Nolan Brewer, a 21-year-old Indiana man who vandalized a Carmel synagogue with Nazi graffiti last year. Brewer told the FBI he met with two Identity Europa members named Sarah and Doug at Indy Diner in Martinsville. Dye was a founding member of the Nashville, Indiana Farmers Market and served as board president until she was voted off last month. IU Labor Studies professor Joe Varga, wearing a shirt that said Queers Against Fascism, was among those urging the city to remove the Schooner Creek vendors from Bloomington's Farmers Market. The FBI reports that 95% of acts of domestic terrorism and hate crimes in the United States are committed by individuals who espouse the beliefs promoted by hate groups like Identity Europa. I implore members of this body 
and other members of our community who do not understand the nature of this threat to do the research to reach the depth, to see the reach, depth, and influence of such groups. Those of us who are trying to drive out market vendors from Bloomington's farm market are not concerned with the vendor's thoughts or with their speech. Everybody is speaking, right? Nothing we are doing is preventing any individual from exercising their right to speak and act. Speech, however, has consequences. We are concerned with their actions as members of a hate group, actively recruiting people into white supremacist organizations and promoting violence against members of minority communities across the spectrum. The evidence against the proprietors of Schooner Creek Farm Stand is strong and conclusive. They have already been removed as vendors from Brown County and their application to vend in other markets is being actively opposed. The city of Bloomington already regulates the time, manner, and place of speech in the Saturday market, as well as determining who can and cannot vend in the market. We do not want people who promote violence and hatred against any members of our community to earn their living on our dollars so that they can promulgate their vile actions. Actions, not thoughts, actions. Early in the meeting, Mayor Hamilton condemned what he called the odious doctrine of white supremacy. Hamilton said the city would, quote, vigorously protect against any behaviors that threaten those values, but he also cited constitutional protections for free speech. On the other hand, we must also comply with the United States Constitution's First Amendment, which prohibits governments from restricting individuals' rights to believe and speak as they choose within very wide ranges, including those who sell at or attend a city-run farmer's market. Repeatedly and consistently throughout the last century, the U.S. Supreme Court has said that government may not silence or punish people for disfavored beliefs in cases involving viewpoints including communists, anarchists, civil rights protesters in some places, and Nazis. Our constitutional government's prescription for odious speech isn't government control or censorship. It's more speech. That is, our community, including this mayor, can make clear our values even when our government cannot directly intervene. That is why it's vital that individual Bloomingtonians and groups are stepping up and making their presence known at the market to stand against hate and bigotry, period. To welcome and embrace people without regard to all those characteristics used throughout history and still today to try and divide us one from another. To spend our money thoughtfully, knowing who we are buying from and how our purchases affect the wider world. That's why, as mayor, I want to make clear my loud condemnation of racism and bigotry and my commitment to do all we can to keep working together to pull them out, racism and bigotry, from root and branch from our common soil. They and their descendants, privilege and implicit bias, continue to fester demanding our vigilance and energies every day. Community member Janice Lilly supported a more moderate approach than an outright ban of Schooner Creek Farms and received pushback. 
Here's Lily, followed by community member Jada B. Nonviolence is not an easy path. When issues come up, I turn to those who dedicated their lives to its practice. One of these is Martin Luther King, Jr. In 1958, early in his career, he wrote, A basic fact that characterizes nonviolence is that it does not seek to defeat or humiliate the opponent, but to win his friendship and understanding. A characteristic of this method is that the attack is directed against the forces of evil rather than against persons who happen to be doing the evil. It is the evil that the nonviolent resistor seeks to defeat, not the persons victimized by evil. I cannot disagree personally. This is, that was in quote. I cannot disagree any more strongly with the worldview, politics, and values of Identity Europa. I oppose any actions to assert these values and I speak against them. However, I interpret Dr. King's writings to call me to treat even those with whom I disagree sharply with respect, to find the parts of them I can accept we are all complicated, and to reach out to them while making clear that I disagree with what they stand for. So I will not be part of trying to have someone removed from this community or of working to take away someone's livelihood because I disagree with his or her values. Lily was followed by community member Jada B., who said Martin Luther King was killed by a white supremacist. We have to talk about the violence that is inherent in these white supremacy organizations. They are not just saying, I have a difference of opinion. They're saying, you, sister, must die. You, queer person, must die. We want you out of this country. That's what they are saying. That is a difference. That is a big difference. You and I can say, I like tomatoes and I like tomatoes. And that's a difference of opinion. What they are calling for and the organization these farmers are a part of is asking for the extermination of races, of sexualities, of gender non-conforming people, and we need to root it out from this community. The mayor... The mayor came up here tonight and said that we need to root this out from our community. This is how we root it out. We say no platform, no platform for racists, no platform for white supremacists. And yes, that might mean they lose their livelihood and I'm sorry for them, but maybe try not being a racist. Because the reality is, is the organization that they belong to didn't show the respect that you're asking me to show them. Lauren McAllister is a farmer's market vendor who also voiced her frustration over inaction. I am the 1% 
of black farmers, female farmers in Indiana, I'm asking for an opportunity to do what my husband and I have been trying to do, farm in Indiana. And what you're telling me is that I need to step aside, that I need to sit in the back of the bus, that I need to wait. I'm tired of waiting. I want all the vendors to do two things for me. I'm asking, I'm, I'm requesting something, and I'm asking a question. I'm asking you what has to be done for you to protect me. Must they string me up? I'm asking you vendors who have the privilege to vend 99% of the profit, the land, and the money in this state to do one thing for me. Tell Jasper, my son, why the adults aren't doing things to protect his mother. An unnamed white lesbian in the audience also expressed her fear. I'm not gonna give my name. And I suggest anybody speaking out uh, against a Nazi and a white supremacist not give their name. Because they do want you to be intimidated. Okay, that is how they work. In addition to continued community conversation on the topic, some in the audience ask the city to explore more deeply its legal options for prohibiting vendors associated with hate groups. Audience also requested the city make an effort to create more diversity on its advisory council and among market vendors. The advisory board took no action. Board Chair Bruce McAllister said the advisory council's power is limited. You're listening to Eco Report on WFHB, and now it's time for In Nature. This is In Nature. The chickadee is a common bird wintering in our woods, parks, and gardens. Its many adaptations allow it to survive our cold winters. Chickadees, tufted titmice, and nuthatches gather together to look for food and roost together to stay warm. They will also mob, gathering together to attack a much larger bird, thus chasing an enemy from their premises. Feathers are wonderful insulators, and additional feathers are added during their winter molt. When the birds preen, the oil spread on their feathers protects them from getting wet and chilly. Chickadees will use conifer trees and old nests as winter roosts, so leave old nests in your garden. They eat insect eggs and hibernating insects, including the larva of the goldenrod gallfly, which they easily extricate from the gall. They will eat the seeds and feeders, and also those on plants left in gardens. However, the most important need for this bird and others in the winter is water. A heated bird bath would be welcomed. They forage all day in order to have the energy to last the night. During extremely cold winter nights, they can lower their body temperature up to 15 degrees. In this way, they can save energy by burning fewer calories. You've been listening to In Nature.
Here are some upcoming events you may be interested in attending. Celebrate the summer solstice with a sunrise hike at Spring Mill Park. The hike will be on Friday, June 21st from 6 to 7 a.m. Start the longest day of the year with a hike. Meet Tony at the front of the inn for a moderate one-hour hike. You can celebrate insects and their relatives at Bugfest 2019 on Saturday, June 22nd. The festival will run from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Hilltop Garden and Nature Center, located at 2367 East 10th Street in Bloomington. The event's mission is to educate the public about insect and spider biology. Guest lecturers will share their knowledge on bees, bed bugs, and more. Learn all about butterflies at McCormick's Creek State Park on Tuesday, June 25th. A presentation at the Nature Center at 2 p.m. will discuss the butterflies that stop by over the summer and some common species that you might see. Join the Indiana Forest Alliance and Traders Point Creamery for the third Forest Foraged Feast on Thursday, June 27th at Traders Point Creamery, 9101 Moore Road in Zionsville. Feast on a multi-course meal with forest foraged and organic local ingredients prepared by award-winning chef Mark Irwand. All proceeds benefit the mission of the Indiana Forest Alliance. You can register and get more information online at the IFA website. Stargazing will take place at Brown County State Park on Friday, June 28th from 9 to 9.30 p.m. Meet at the Hohen Point, located about a mile past the Nature Center, and view the beautiful night sky. And that wraps up our show for this week. Ego Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812 312- Three three four four zero zero three, and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy, Linda Green, and Wes Martin. Today's feature was produced by Norm Holy. Get Out and Hike was produced by Jan Walker. Norm Holy produced in nature. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Executive producer Wes Martin engineered today's show. Andrew Brown and Kaylin Huffman-Brower edited the script. Tune in on Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. and Fridays at 5 p.m. for our weekly radio rundown of ecological news. You can also access news, feature audio, as well as In Nature, Get Out and Hike, and The Secret Life of Fungi episodes anytime at WFHB. For WFHB, I'm Todd Wicks. And I'm Juliana Daly. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to the Eco Report. 
a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB. In Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source. For South Central Indiana. Bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.